Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Another episode of the Fizzle Show. This is the Fizzle Show. Too many small businesses fail. These are great businesses. These are businesses started by founders who are interesting and and not douchebags necessarily. And we're here to discuss why these small businesses fail. What's the difference between those founders who fizzle out and those who buzz and crackle with creativity, impact, potential, and purpose? And every Friday, we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship in general and building a thriving audience and the battle of supporting yourself, doing something that you actually care about. Your hosts are, today there are four of us. Steph is back, okay? First of all, there's Corbett Barr, the experienced one. He's our CEO here at Fizzle. Then there's Barrett Brooks, the young books mar- marketer uh, and head of growth here at Fizzle. Not just because he has a big head. <laughs> Get it? Head of growth, growth, big head. Uh, anyways. Steph Crowder, rhymes with chowder, our director of member services, and me, Chase Reeves, the heart and chutzpah-rooted creative director here at Fizzle. So, on the show today, Mary is in a tight spot. After growing her audience, keeping them engaged, and making her product, she's realized that sales are not what she thought they would be. She's disappointed. She's downright depressed in some ways. And in this episode, we sort of virtually consult Mary about her business, sort of a teardown of the problems as they exist and potential steps for, for the future, developing ideas for her and anyone else in a similar situation, getting into stuff like uh, the back of the napkin math to see how much of anything you need to sell to pay your bills, lots of candid conversation about how we view traffic and conversion, how to develop ideas for the, quote, what's next strategies and how to discover debilitating expectations and correct them. Um, if, you've, if, you've never, if you've never had to go back to the drawing board after hitting a brick wall of disappointment, uh, if, you, if that's not happened to you, it will. And this is a conversation that can totally guide you through that. So, follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 113. I'll be back after this to fill in any gaps. So I'm curious, Chase was just doing a little warm-up rhyming steph crowder with whatever it rhymes with I, chowder. I guess chowder. steph did you have any um any nicknames that you care to share oh gosh well i will say that um my husband who is john crowder in college would always introduce himself to people as crowder rhymes with chowder so uh-huh. that's a good one oh. that's clever that's a clever it's one pretty clever yeah. crowder rhymes with chowder you know when i'm doing call in orders for uh places around town i'm always like chase c-h-a-s-e chase is a weird name for the phone chase yeah try chase. try mine barrett's yeah, pretty bad too what is Bar- oh yeah barrett jesus yeah, yeah it's real bad barrett's yeah. terrible you guys, we all have terrible names except for Steph. Steph have, you guys seen, have you guys seen my maiden name? I mean, I did like no. 25 years of punishment. So What is it? No. It's ter- terrible. You- Wordeman. W-U-E-R-D-E-M-A-N. There's like 800 vowels. W-U-E-R-D. Yeah, there's like... W- that's, not li- that's not legal. I know. That is like vowels. the ultimate Scrabble word. That's or one maybe of those the- they tell word- you not to make a URL out of. Exactly. We're, you know, my middle name is Wardman. I know. It's pretty close. Which is weird. Now, also to say, Wardman. Chase Wordman. It's like one of those words. Yeah. Limit. Road. <laughs> Road. <laughs> okay, Barrett, tell us what we're getting into on the show today. Oh, Lord. All right. So uh, in the forums, Steph found this post, which she's going to read for us in a minute. But one of our fizzlers has this great site for adults who like to color. And that sounds 
interesting if you don't know that world, but there's this whole network of people who love to do really intricate coloring projects. So think like crayons, colored pencils, pastels, whatever. And one of our fizzlers who's run, trying to start a business, she started a business around helping people find great new coloring projects. And as a part of that, she's created coloring books. She sells some of her own art through an art marketplace. So she's got this interesting model and she's built up a little bit of a community around it where she's got several thousand people in a Facebook group. They're very responsive. They're very active. They like her work. They give her praise. And yet she finds herself in a situation where she can't make enough revenue to make a living off of it. So what we're going to do today is Steph is going to read us uh, her original post from the forums, uh, censoring for any sensitive data or whatever, because uh, Steph found it first. And then we're going to dive into, as a team, if we had this business and we had to transform it over the next three, six, 12 months, where would we take it so that it could end up supporting someone's full-time living? So, that's so this is going to be this is going to be like a live a live kind of like business idea tear down. We have a we have um, uh, an actual problem to solve. Business. I don't know if, if you listener have been in business long, but it's just one problem after the next. That's just all it is. Yes, yeah. it does. You don't ever get there. I don't know if you know that. You have to create your own victories because there's always going to be things that you know need to be solved. Uh, gosh, but, but it's this, weird to say that though. I feel like I don't, I've never said that before. Business really is just one problem after the next. Parenting is too, in some ways. And in both of those, you get a lot of great moments, you know, but, but you gotta like, you gotta allow those great moments to mean something. Yeah. This though, she's like in the hot seat right here. This is, this is where the problems feel yeah. extra special because she has a bit of an audience, which we'll hear yep. and yet isn't making money yet. And yep. And it's something, yeah, it's something we've 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 run into a hundred a hundred times before. So, Steph, you feel good with uh, reading us this? Maybe even uh, doing like a speed read version of it. You don't have to maybe read every every word, sure. Uh, but do what you think is yep. best. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so here is Mary's original post from the forum. So Mary says, um, as many of you have seen, I've actually been really successful at building a community of people for my niche. I now have over 3,500 engaged members in my Facebook group, Coloring Books for Adults. It's been an amazing experience uh, watching it grow since January, and she feels she's clearly found her audience. I've been posting two to four articles on my blog each week, and I regularly get comments from my subscribers that the articles are great. Here's the problem. Despite having this great engaged audience, I'm not making any money. In the two books my book has or the two months my book has been out, I've only made about 20 sales. That's not even close to being successful. Even if I had 40 coloring books, like another successful coloring book artist I know, 10 sales a month per book wouldn't be enough to consider it a business success. I've seen a lot of comments in the group indicating a desire to learn how to do more advanced coloring techniques. So I thought doing training videos in a step-by-step course format would be my next step. To explore that, I put out a poll in the group asking if people would be willing to pay $5 a month to receive a minimum of four new designs and two training videos per month. I thought $5 a month was an extremely reasonable price, but only six out of 78 people went for it. Another six liked the idea, but said $5 was too much, or they expected more content at that price. And 19 liked the idea, but couldn't afford it. Even extrapolating that response out to 3,500 people, that would only be $225 a month and guaranteed membership fees, not enough for it to be worthwhile. I honestly don't know where to go from here. I have enough things to do to keep me busy every week, continuing to build my site and admin the group, but I'm stuck on the monetization part. How do I monetize to people who don't seem to want to buy from me? How do I build a business 
in an area where there is clearly a market and where others seem to be able to make a living, but where my own efforts to do the same appear to be falling flat. I know a lot of entrepreneurs do their passion as a side business until they can get their own business going, but I can't put time into this and into a job. I kind of feel like Sisyphus in Hades. I can roll the stone almost to the top of the hill, but then I lose strength and end up back at the bottom again. I don't want to fizzle out on this, especially after all the work I've put into it for the last six months. And this is a doozy. So I think what would be good is to kind of go back and pull out a couple of insights from her original post. I know Chasey went through and kind of read a lot of the forum thread that followed this. But as we look back through this, basically what we're seeing is that she's got a regular posting scheduled to her blog, which we can look at in a minute as we uh, bounce over there. She's got this Facebook group with a really engaged audience. Her book has been out for two months and she's made about 20 sales. And she's extrapolating that out to say, even if I had 40 books at 10 sales a month, that would not be enough to provide me a full-time living. So now she's looking for other business models. You can kind of sense the tone change here where she says, all right, so then I pulled my audience about whether I might be able to start creating training videos. And she set the bar fairly low at $5 a month, right? We charge $35 a month for Fizzle membership. And she put it out there as $5 a month and didn't get a great response. Only six out of 78 people said, yeah, I might pay you $5 a month to uh, have a membership to your site. And we know from survey data that usually people aren't very good estimators of whether or not they'll pay. So we'll take that for what it is. So she also extrapolates that out and says, okay, if the same proportions hold for my whole 3,500 person audience as responded to that survey, I could only make about $225 a month. That doesn't sound like all that great of a deal to me. And so then she's kind of getting into this state of despair of, okay, it doesn't seem like I have any options for making a full-time living, which is where we jump in. So if if we start with just maybe a context that we've been in before on the show, why don't we just start with business archetype? And if we had to put a yeah, label that's on in, her, that's what I was asking. It's like where where what business archetype do you, would you would you place Marion? So I think it's she's got two that she's considering, but the one that she's actually doing right now. I think is maker maybe because she's making these coloring books, which are a physical product and selling them to people. See, I was heading towards, this is why, this is why the the archetype can be, can be kind of confusing for some people because yeah, she's selling the books. Um, uh, but she's also, this is where the, the, I, I'm kind of challenging myself with whether or not I want to get into what some of the comments, there was a bunch of comments on this, like the fizzle, like, community came out in full force and it was there's some of them are, are like just kind of like just like you should do this and others are like really really thoughtful sensitive and, but all of them have great ideas like there's a lot of ideas that people have put forward and um and one of the things that 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 comes out in this is is faith uh you know team fizzle team mom basically in the forums she goes uh you know so well what it, what it sounds like is you didn't actually like your why in this, your why you do this, what you did was build uh, build something that that people are are connecting and and with one another around. Uh, how you did it was you created this book and you had a Facebook group and you did all these things. But the why you did it wasn't necessarily. It doesn't sound like it was necessarily to sell books. And now you're kind of making yourself beholden to selling a bunch of books when really your first love in this thing was almost just being able to interact and teach people and get around them, right? And I felt like that was a very constructive thing to say on Faith's part because 
I feel I feel like I'm I'm like uh, narrating a boxing match or something like that, and then Faith comes in with, a, <laughs> oh, and it's a wicked blow. Um, but uh, but it was it was it was really it was really um, a great thing to have said because uh, that definitely got me thinking differently about where where Mary sits. Um, and just as meaning, I meaning what meaning like like. Okay, so she put she has this audience grew. You know what it's like to grow an audience. Like you just start writing things and you do stuff, and and miracle of miracles when people actually show up. Because I I I'm sure you've done it as well, Corbett, and and you guys. I know I have. I've built stuff that nobody showed up to mm-hmm. a lot, right? So when people show up, I mean, it's still a little bit magic to me, and it creates a momentum of its own. And now you start going like I have thirty five hundred people in this Facebook group, and I so I made a book. And you think one falls from the other. Sales falls from the audience. As she was saying in her thing, you know, you'd, you'd think that once you get to the audience, you'd have the sales. And yet she doesn't have the sales that, that, that are satisfying her expectations. Probably expectations she didn't even knew, know she had, maybe. At least I especially wouldn't until I was disappointed at the end. So, so the, the, but the point coming back to, there's still a big question here, let alone from like, okay, how do we solve this revenue problem? Okay. It was really what we have is a revenue problem. And, and I think what Faith got her thinking about was like, don't forget that what you really love to do is to talk about this stuff in front of people and get them connecting uh, like with, like with themselves through it. Right. And actually making the art and doing the things. And that felt like in Mary's response there, it was a good reminder for her. But is that, so is that a call to uh, give up on making revenue? No, it's not, but it, it's a reframing of, because I don't know, I mean, I remember exactly being in Mary's situation, and I remember, I remember that moment, and I remember hearing that from, like, multiple people, like, their names are, and faces are coming into my, my head now as, at that moment, where you're just like, you're just, you're just so depressed. You're so depressed because, I mean, I, that's what it felt like for me. I'm so depressed because I built this thing. And now it feels like it was all pointless. It's never going to work. It could never possibly work, right? When you, you're like so down deep in that dead end. Mm-hmm. When you're just, you just t- made a wrong turn like a, like a few hundred feet back. Like that's it. And the wrong turn actually wasn't in what you were doing. It was in your expectations on what would come from this thing, right? Because there's another way of looking at this where Mary writes this post and says like, okay, so I, my first experiment was I made this book and it didn't sell that many copies, but it's going to keep going. So I've got a plan for this nether thing over here. That's all the only difference between those two things yeah. is expectations, right? Wouldn't right. you say? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that um, our, our my philosophy at least is yeah. just that no one can say this is what you need to do. Yeah. All, all any of us can do is say, here are a couple of things that we think might work. Yeah. We don't know if they will, but the only thing you can do is, um, you know, lay out your list of options and decide which ones you feel are worth pursuing. Yeah. And that's how we run our business, Fizzle. Totally. We have this list of ideas of things that we could implement. We think that some of them might impact the business and we decide to work on them for a few months and sometimes they pay off and sometimes they don't. For us, it's a little different because we have a business that's paying us salaries. Yeah. For her, it's that. It's that place where it's really easy to get bummed out. Big deal, getting to the point where you're actually getting your bills paid, right? Right. And that's what that's what I love about this as well. But the methodology is the same. Yeah, she has a thing that she wants, and all you can do is brainstorm, talk to people, find out your best shot at making it work. But then you can't put all of your eggs in each idea basket, feeling like, well, if this doesn't work out, I'm screwed. Yeah, because there's a good chance it won't work out, and you have to move on to the next idea. And it reminds me of of um, well, like we're always talking. First of all, I just want to say, like to Mary, th- this first amazing clarity in your writing, amazing honesty, and 
and uh, authenticity in, yeah. in your situation and in bringing that story out and allowing yourself to to express it because there's a lot of people that, that haven't been able to do that. And because of that, you are get, I'm watching her through the comments, like just start to see more and more and more of her situation and feel better and better about it, a little more motivated. And not that any questions are necessarily answered, but just that expression of like, guys, I'm dying over here. Mm-hmm. I feel terrible. And, and here's why. It has... Like oftentimes that's that like it's you know the first step is just and admitting you it. notice how many people like resonate with that totally I mean yeah. all I know is I re- immediately resonated with it it was yeah. vulnerability you know all right so let's go back to this question of of business archetype so I, I think it's good kind of commentary surrounding the situation yeah and so I, I think I might have been wrong when I said maker so other options that I see here as far as what her business model is at the end of the day in terms of archetypes uh, could be the artist. She definitely sells her own art through her uh, marketplace page. It could be teacher in that she's teaching others to do their own art. Um, But to me, artist feels right. And here's why. Here's the description we used for artist before. We said the artist is a purist who loves the art for what it means to him or her. However, she recognizes the need to make a living. So she chooses to sell her paintings, photography, or sculptures directly to her customers. And so to me, that's kind of where Mary started from with this project was I'm an artist who's a talented, uh, talented with whatever materials I use to create these beautiful pieces of art or coloring. And that's kind of where this came from was her own desire to do this as a hobby. And she got good enough where now she can teach other people to do the same thing. And so she's trying to translate this feeling of being an artist and doing it for that, for the why of creating into this teaching mechanism to show other people how to do the same thing she's done. But it's a hobby. And here's so, one. Here's a quote from from Mary directly further on down the the comments that sort of falls right in line. Um, she says, "My why, my why, my in quotes why, isn't to sell more coloring products. Although I was pulled into this niche from an initial desire to sell my art, but I love being an information resource. I love learning new things and sharing them. I love teaching. I love curating content and, que- and answering questions. I love writing about this topic. Heck, I even love managing the Facebook group, even though it eats big chunks of time. And I feel like that's very expressive of like now how many how many because another thing that I'm that I'm hearing in this uh, that's not being said yet." Because it was one of those ideas. Well, what this is where the archetypes become so great. Because you're saying, okay, maker. Then, then you're like, okay, artist. And, and in some ways, the difference between artist and maker. I was just talking to John Lee Dumas on his podcast about this. It can be very challenging the difference between artist and maker in some ways because they both kind of straddle the craft world. And unless you're an artist, you're painting, you're selling your painting. Mm-hmm. Whereas a maker is more like I made a print. And now I'm selling prints of that thing. In some ways, there's like some line across which there's an industrialization process that's like now you're a maker. Right. That's yeah, exactly. a monogrammed thing. Yep. But um but now now you can just kind of pretend those archetypes are hats and you just put them on. And so what does it look like for if Mary puts on her mediapreneur hat and she goes, I'm building the adult coloring version. Turns out adult coloring is like a huge trend. Right. Uh, Ken mentioned in there that uh, at at one point, tw- seven of the top twenty books on Amazon were adult coloring books. Mm-hmm. Like, what? I had no idea, right? So clearly, there's this budding interest there. Like, clearly, there's a budding interest in independent business and working for myself. Like, clearly, there's an interest in paleo. Like, clearly, you know. So it's like, where else do you see those mediapreneur type people doing those things, collecting a huge audience around a topic, monetizing through affiliate sales, through uh, structured deals with with suppliers and all this? 
this stuff. So keep going, Barrett. But I, that's what I felt was so interesting about, because that was the first question I thought too. It's like, well, okay, where, what archetype are we going in? And, and then how does that instruct what's next? Yep. Yep. Totally. So I think if I had to pull back and say, I think we started with artists. If I had to diagnose it, we started from an artist viewpoint and in the artist mindset, it's kind of like this art is for me. And that's what we said back on the Archetypes podcast was the difference between artist and maker is the artist makes their stuff for me. And if someone else appreciates it and buys it, great. But we know plenty of artists who don't make a ton of money, but they still get fulfillment out of their work. Makers, however, are more about making things or art or whatever you want to call it that other people want. And they're driven by that commercial angle and solving a need with it. Uh what we've seen uh, Mary try and do here, though, I think is come in with a teacher angle and say, okay, I'm not only going to sell my art, which may not sell very often or in huge volume, but I'm going to teach other people to make their own art, which is cheaper for them, and I can probably do a higher volume of it than sharing my own art. So what we're hearing from her, though, is that the teacher angle is tough in this market because it's such a hobbyist space. You know, no, not a lot of people, I don't know for sure, but not a lot of people, I would guess, do this for a living. This is not going to change the course of their career. It's not going to alter their marriage. It's not going to change their physical health or well-being. Maybe it might if it gives them a, an outlet. But, you know, some of those key areas where we usually say it's the best place to teach, whether it's career or physical health or attraction, you know, and kind of relationships, those are not relevant here. And so I think that's part of what she's struggling with. How do y'all feel about that? Yeah, I think you're definitely right that there's not uh, an urgent need that she's um, that that the adult coloring books are sort of filling, and yet we can't argue with the fact that this is a this is clearly a trend, and there's a market out there that exists, right? So in some ways, it is a different sale than you know hemorrhoid cream because it's not like I need you know I need results now. It's not that so much as it is it, it, you know selling. People are looking for that, and they're finding your book instead of someone else's book in terms of the sales, right? My question would be, um, is it possible to earn a living as an adult coloring book maker? And um, I don't know if that's true. Uh, It looks like it's a trend on Amazon. And I guess there are several books I see. I just typed in adult coloring books on Amazon. The first one that comes up, the number one bestseller in crafts and hobbies. That's, um, I guess that's encouraging. It has 131 reviews. Uh, It's kind of hard to tell how many of this is sold. Yeah. Um, so I guess that would be my first question is, is this even a worthwhile goal? Is this something that could happen? Could she earn a living from this thing? Yeah. Um, it was like remembering the, when we're setting up coaching right now and, and when we were in this big group think about, okay, how's coaching going to work? What are the prices that are going to be set within fizzle? Uh, I, for the first time asked like, so what does a coach need to charge just to earn a living, mm-hmm. just to like, just to be able to only be a coach. Right. You know, and we came and it was like something like $150 and that's with like 10 or 12 customers. And that we didn't really, I don't think even account for taxes much. Right. right. So it's like, you need to be charging at least $200 probably and working with 10 or more clients. So you're really busy at that point right. in order just to make ends meet. And so that kind of question for this is what you're yeah, asking. Exactly. So, so let's just do some back of the envelope math yeah. here. So I just did um, it. So her book right now is selling for sixteen ninety five. Let's assume plus shipping. So they pay shipping shipping separately out of that. Uh, let's assume that she's making 
$8 a book? Do we think that's fair or do we think it's less? I think it's, it depends on where you're selling through. Uh, on Amazon, you'd make a lot less on, on uh, if you're selling from your own, you know, drop ship something or other, it might make a lot more. Okay, so she's selling through her site from a majority of the standpoint. So let's say it's $5. And I like to think of a full-time living as, let's say, fifty to $60,000. So if you take that $60,000, it's a nice rough or a nice, nice round number of $5,000 a month. And you divide that by the five bucks a book and you get, you got to sell a thousand books a month to make a living. Is that impossible? I don't think so. But you definitely have to have a huge volume of traffic coming into your site and a large number of those ending up on an email list and probably a pretty good strategy to sell them on your books over time. You have to have a lot of new people coming into that market that weren't there already, you know, in in five years time, like people constantly kind of coming into it, growing into it. And then now the other model is like, you know, having, you know, if she has 20, you know, and you could do the Celtic coloring book or you could do the dragons coloring book or you could do the patterns. And you still have to sell a lot. There, you have to make a lot and you have to sell. A, I mean, ultimately, you have to sell at least that thousand right. per month per month of of however many. Right. So so let's continue the with the yeah. math. Yeah. So if you need to sell a thousand per month, how many people do you need to be coming to your site in order to sell a thousand of them? Let's assume what a conversion rate of like 0.01, 0.05. Or even, or even if it's 1%. Right? Yeah. So that's a hundred thousand people coming to your site in order to convert 1% of them. And, and 1% on a conversion sales. like that is really high. It, it might be. I don't know. It's hard to say, but let's just use yeah, I guess that. it depends. If there's yeah. a huge amount of traffic, people searching exactly for Celtic Cullingbrook or something. Right. Like. And so part of this might just be expectations. Maybe... Mary isn't aware of the fact that this is kind of how conversions work. And so she's expecting from a couple thousand people coming yeah. to her site every month. But that this she's is so have a common. Sales. This is, I mean, this is instructive for every single person doing a business. Right. But here's, here's why I bring it up. The, the question is, I think she's assuming that, and maybe it's because of uh, the way we do our business and, and what we talk about a lot. Yeah. Uh, maybe she's assuming I have to set up a website I have to build an email list. I have to build a Facebook group. I have to get these people really jazzed about coloring. And in reality, what happens is there are so few people out there who will make adult coloring the center of their universe enough that they're willing to spend a bunch of time on a site, yeah. come back to a site, buy training about this thing, um, that in reality, it's impossible to build a site about a, a, a adult coloring that's going to get 100,000 people because it turns out that it's more of an impulse purchase. It's more of something that I say... What was that? You know, I saw it at the bar we were at the other day. They had an adult coloring book. That was really cool. Yeah. I'm going to look for one. I'm not going to go like subscribe to a blog and like make it the center of my life. I just want to go to Amazon, buy one of these damn books sure. and get it over with. Or, But I think there is a community. Like the, the people that have written, and she mentioned a bunch of their comments, uh, the people who have written about her site. Um, there is a community of that, like where this is their daily. This is their sure. like mantra. Sure, there you know? is. But are there enough of those people to earn a living? That's the question. And, and I don't think so. So, yeah. so the strategy then for me would be build your community. That's fine because those are your true fans, and those are the people who are going to do some of the really important work that needs to be done. Yeah. But to me, the important work that needs to be done is simply making your book as popular as you possibly can. In, on platforms like Amazon where people are going to look for this thing. Mm. she If you look on Amazon, she has her book there and it's it's um, $8.95. It has three reviews. And the one that I mentioned was the top has 130 reviews. So I can imagine she's just doing a fraction of the volume. Well, she said she did 20 sales and yeah. most of those probably came from her website. So maybe she's not selling anything through Amazon. But to get to that level of volume where you have 
you know, hundreds of thousands of people at, yeah. at your, your, um, in your potential customer base. I just don't see how you could do that from your own website alone. Yep. I think a big piece of the strategy has to be looking for other platforms where people are finding this stuff. In one, of the que- one of the questions that I thought about immediately when I was reading this was like, okay, so let's take a step back. And what, where, where, who are the people that are making money in, adult, in this trend of adult coloring, right? Who are the people who are making money? To me, I immediately go to... Like I, I'll actually probably spend money on crayons yep. and on and on art supplies and stuff like that. And this is something that a few brought up to her in the in the comments, and she said, "You know, I really don't want to get into that space. I don't want to be buying stuff off of Alibaba and stocking it and putting things together or having some drop shipping thing or faking my own brand built on you know Chinese made things." And and I thought, you know, good for you. That, that's actually smart to know that because it's a pain in the ass kind of business. But another thing is um, is this question about so how can you be a part of that business without like running that business? And and that's where the the idea for what if there was more of a mediapreneur angle in this thing um, that. Now, and I'm thinking, I'm particularly thinking longer term about this. How can we set it up so that in three years, you know, her book's been out for two months, she's made 20 sales, and she thought because she had a bigger audience that it would probably sell a lot more. Um, and it's instructive, the difference between a large Facebook group and, and a large email list, right? And I, I don't think she, I didn't, wasn't very clear on whether or not her email list is that size or or just the Facebook group or whatever, but um but but regardless, uh, having that audience doesn't mean the sales. So what if what if? But yet, it, but yet, it's not a small audience, and it clearly can keep growing. And these people love to talk with each other on the Facebook group and ask her questions about technique and all this stuff. There's clearly an opportunity for some more formal training and things like that, and in some sort of a, a you know a, a course, maybe like, hey, here's like everything you need to know about adult coloring for ninety dollars. Um, uh, it's something like that, right? Like the the beginner to to intermediate techniques, and then another hundred bucks for super advanced color blending, yada yada yada. Right? Um, I loved all of those ideas that were coming through the forum. But the question for me is like, okay, so what if this went for towards your job is to grow the audience and find revenue opportunities to sell those things that they're already buying, like the crayons, and like so now you become a kind of a brand rep for your favorite right. uh, kind of coloring brand or something, right? Stephanie, what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, that? I I think I'm coming at this actually interestingly from a little bit of a different perspective. Um, I want to add one thing that's kind of interesting. So prior to this. Uh, post that Mary made in the forums, maybe two weeks before that, she actually wrote another post about how she actually got a thousand new members in one week. And what happened was um, she went on a, looks like she went on some NBC news segment and attended a coloring party here in, in Chicago. So like, pause there for a second. Coloring party is something that is going on and is a big deal because she was able to get a thousand members out of that in a week. So what this, what this makes me think of is like, think of something like scrapbooking, right? I mean, scrapbooking is one hobbyist craft piece that has gone absolutely crazy in the past, I don't know, maybe 10 or 20 years uh, in America at least. And, you know, there are people out there who are attending conferences to go to scrapbook scrapbooking conferences. Yeah. There's e-conferences. There's people who are gathering virtually. So I, I don't necessarily agree that there's not a tribe of people out there who would actually pay to make this a serious hobby in their life. So I don't know. That's kind of... I actually see a little bit more of a mediapreneur or teacher when I look at somebody like Mary, because I think it's possible that that, that group of people exists out there. 
Definitely. Yeah. And so what this brings up for me is I, I did the math a different way and I looked at, um, all right, so if you wanted to make $60,000 from the current size of your entire Facebook fan base, which is 3,500, and we know it's hard to get to an entire Facebook fan base to begin with, but let's ignore that for a second. You would need each person to spend $17 with you or put a different way. Actually, you would need to make $17 of profit from every single one of those audience members to make a $60,000 living. And when I look at that, I say two things. Number one is you don't have any way for every one of those people to do that right now because there's only one book. Number two is it's unlikely that any one person and definitely that every one of those people would give you that amount of profit from the number of purchases they would make from you in a year. So we're probably not at the right audience size at a minimum for where we're standing today. So, you know, frustration can make sense when you launch something and you don't get the kind of response you want. But in this case, I think at a minimum, we don't have a big enough audience for Mary's site today. And that needs to be a major focus is increasing the number of people in her audience and ideally on her email list, not necessarily in the Facebook group. Do we have other stats about like her, um, just how many people are visiting her website or how many people are on an email list or something? We don't have that. Um, but okay. I would assume based on the posting that the largest audience she has is in that Facebook group. That's probably substantially bigger than her email list. And I'm not sure how it compares to visitors to her website. Um, so what I like though is Chase, you talked about the idea of training. I'm not sure that people in this market are going to pay 90 or a hundred or whatever amount of money, uh, for training on how to color. However, I think it might be possible that people making the tools that uh, get used by these people who are coloring might pay Mary to make the courses. And so this is something we've explored in the past at Fizzle where, hey, could we partner with a MailChimp or with a Squarespace or with a whoever to co-produce a course that they're paying for and that also serves our audience? Well, in Mary's case, she could certainly team up with some of these bigger companies that are the best in the world that make her favorite tools and have them fund the creation of courses so that maybe you only need to make six courses a year and they're pretty in-depth and you charge $10,000 to sponsor each course and you really promote those to your audience and you find six sponsors for each of those courses. That seems doable to me. And now, yeah, you're but also, but also, you're coming into like now. You, now, your job is actually winning deals with that's those right. companies. Right? That's right. Right, and she hasn't produced a single course yet. Right. Right. Yeah, that's what that's what's hard. She did mention wanting to get into some video. She did also mention Faith and her. We're talking a little bit about how Faith was like. I did some research. I was like, I love Fizzle, man. How awesome is Fizzle? Like all these people, like Faith's like, okay, I I went and did, like Ken as well. Like went out and did some research. Like they, Faith's like, I went out and did some research, and I was like looking at like what what's out there on YouTube about this, and she ended up like just spending a bunch of time watching people coloring because it's really like kind of therapeutic. Um, and, you know, you think about painting that happy little tree with Bob, right? And it's like, okay, so clearly there's a world that exists. And I think those videos were sponsored, or at least a lot, a few that I saw of Bob, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Bob Ross. Bob Ross um, were sponsored by the paints he was using. And no, not even that. He uses, he has his own like brushes and stuff like that. It's just like Emeril and a lot of the chefs, they sell their own cookware. They sell their own stuff um and that was that was down the road but the the uh the, but before we get too crazy because like I, I hear what you're saying barrett um you know so first of all courses all right you could what if you had a 97 dollars course well can people pay for that and will people pay for that that's to be determined maybe you could you could 
do a quick way to test that, okay? Is we we you put up a a Gumroad thing saying like, listen for my audience, for I'm going to give you fifty percent off to to pre sell uh, to 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 buy this thing before it's out. Um, if fifty of you buy it, I'm going to make it right, and it's and it's whatever it's forty nine dollars. And this is exactly the five things we're going to cover in it. We're going to cover blending techniques. We're going to cover yada yada yada. We're gonna, whatever these sorts of things. And it's very clear, and you're testing it. And if you don't get that, guess what? That's not a failure because in experiments, there's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback, right? So it's like, okay, I tried to see if they would be into that. They weren't. Hmm, what else could they be into? Now, Barrett, you're talking about potentially approaching um, approaching the manufacturers of the things like the coloring pencils and art supplies to uh, to potentially, you're like, hey, I've got this big audience. What what? How can we work together so I can get, because I really love your stuff. I've worked with all the, all the other stuff. I really like your stuff. I'd love to make, here's an idea of a thing that I'd like to make that would be short and sweet. If you could get me uh, $5,000, I would put you inside, I would make it and put you in front of my audience, right? Yep. That's another, that's a whole other thing. But all, and, and there's all of these ideas, um, you know, doing a huge, uh, just doing a bunch of YouTube videos and getting more people there. And then, and then having some sort of, having your books for sale, planning to make more and more and more of these books, trying to uh, anticipate trends of what are the things that people want to color, right? There's all sorts of ideas we could do, but um, still, I keep coming back to la, the whole like, what wh- what fires you up about this, Mary? And and she gets very, she's very clear about um, the teaching and and the like, sort of helping people sort of get into this and understand how to do it and how to make their own stuff. She's an artist; she wants to sell her art. Um, and now I'm seeing like a lot of these models in my head of that Bob Ross Emerald, uh, you know, the chefs, the painters. I see um, uh, even in like the world of, of hand lettering there's these like famous hand letterers and sign painters who have their own brushes and things like that their own line of brushes there's a, a million things but one of the things that's feeling really good to me and this is without being able to actually talk to mary just going off of her comments in the forums is this reminder that you did not get into this to sell coloring books. This is a part, this is a cost of doing business. You got into this to inform and educate and inspire and help people to, to create their own art out of this stuff. And I can't help but feel like that is, to me as the coach, I'm just going like, that's really, really, that's a big deal. Like there needs to be like a, a, a thing made that sits on the wall that reminds me of that every single day I go to work. And, and that informs what process and system and strategy I implement to, to, to try out how to build this to the actual revenue that's going to support me. That's interesting. All right. So Steph, when you hear Chase say that, that he thinks one of the keys is for her to continue to remember that she didn't get in this to sell coloring books. She got in this for the art. What does that mean to you as far as her path forward? I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I still, I'm not sold on that just because I still do get a vibe from Mary that she's kind of into this idea of the business building side of it, at least to some extent. So, and I think, yeah, I, I would agree because clearly, I think she's in in the whole. I need to make money on. This yeah, thing, and right? she's she's excited about about her audience growing so quickly. Like in this yeah. in this previous thread that I mentioned before, she talks about how she, this is literally a quote, she said, I went from, I don't have an authority in this subject to 3,000 engaged subscribers in four months. And she's like over the top excited about 
what that's done for her. So I don't know. I like just to kind of go back to that. I have this idea of scrapbooking in my head now because it reminded me I know of somebody who's out there who has something that is interesting that could be similar is this website called Layout a Day with Lane Amen. I don't know if you guys have heard of that before, but Lane Amen um, has a great website, layoutaday.com, where she has a couple different things going on. It looks like she has a 31 layouts in 31 days course that she's selling for $50. Um, there's like a private message board included in that. And she's also got a podcast as well as product picks and a store. So looking at something like this, it's an attractive website. Um, it's clear that she's kind of like the go-to spot for people online who want to learn about scrapbooking. I can almost imagine Mary with a hub like this that gives her a platform for you know, doing her videos. Because like she said in her Facebook community, people are demanding that. They want to see that kind of content from her. And I agree with Barrett when he says that this audience does need to expand. So perhaps that's the next step in you know, getting her audience to grow is you know, putting content out there that's instructive. But then also there's a couple different revenue streams, it appears to me, with this website as an example. So I'd be curious to see if Mary could maybe take it in this direction. You know, you said something that, that really comes to mind for me, which is that we might be jumping the gun here as far as where Mary's at mentally versus where the business is at. And I can relate back to one of my experiences with Living for Monday where uh, we had built our first product. We had kind of tested it, felt like people would pay for it. I got a couple of posts up on Lifehacker. They picked a couple of those up, picked up like 1,000, 1,500 subscribers in less than 45 days. And then all of a sudden I started putting all of this pressure on myself that we should be making money because things were starting to happen. Audience was starting to grow. And it's like, wait, this is where it's all supposed to happen. This is how it's supposed to go. And I'm supposed to be rich now. And in reality, the business was not there yet. We had only created one product. It hadn't come out of our audience. It had come from me and my ideas. And so I think that I was jumping in the, the gun at that time. And it became a source of discouragement for me where I decided to stop writing so much well, I don't even know if I decided. I just did stop writing so much because I got discouraged and didn't stay with the work that had got me there. And so part of me just says, Mary, it looks like you might be on a really good path. And maybe it's just that this is a stop on the journey and we're not to that point where you should be making a full-time living yet. And the key is just to keep going perhaps at this point. Yeah, I think that's a really big thing to say, right? It is. But, but at the same time, I think the question that everyone inside of Fizzle should be asking themselves yeah. is, how do I get to revenue the fastest? Because, you know, it's great to say I got in this for the love of it or whatever, but love will only take you so far if you can't put food on the table. Love will find a way. And I don't know Mary's situation, and maybe she has another income source, and, and so maybe it's not a big deal. But in general, you know, when you go into business, um, I've found that getting revenue uh, coming in the door makes everything easier, and it gives you a lot of options and time to play around with things. And so to me, the question is, What's Mary's long-term strategy? That's fine. That's fun to think about. Maybe she becomes this Emerald Lagasse 10 years from now. Um, but that's not going to happen overnight. And it sounds like Mary has a real need or at least desire yeah. to pay some bills with the work that she's doing. And so the question I have is, what is the fastest way for her to get to revenue? And um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Well, like, I, if I, loved, you had to I loved your idea about like, okay, so clearly you have a book on Amazon and you've given it two months and it's still only got this many reviews and it's at this price. And like, how do we get that? How do we get that going? Right. Like, how, how can and you bump that? And that's where, you know, she's, she has these people on Facebook and um, they may or may not have purchased her book, but she has a relationship with them and they're passionate about this, this yeah. thing. Um, and I know a lot of people 
when they start on Amazon, and I'm not sure if she can still do this, but uh, a lot of people give copies of their book to a certain group in exchange for reviews. Or they politely ask, you know, hey, will you buy this thing and leave me a review or whatever? Um, That's where the power of the true fans, the people who are making this their life right now, um, that's where you can harness that and, and then use that to leverage another platform. We know there are millions and millions of people on Amazon. We know that there are books that are selling far better than hers already on Amazon. She may not be able to grow an audience overnight on her own site that's big enough to support her, but the audience exists already somewhere. And so if she wants to earn money the fastest, I would go with the thing that we know is proven, which is selling coloring books, adult coloring books. We know that people are buying those. We don't know if people are going to conferences. We don't know if people will buy training on adult coloring books yet. Maybe they will in the future. My goal would be to sell as many goddamn coloring books as I possibly could, <laughs> and I would do that using an existing platform. I wouldn't be trying to build my own site as the primary vehicle right now. Yep. I think it's a good long-term strategy, and yeah. I think and a necessary like to work on it continually. Yeah, and if she had just if she had just been starting right now and she came to us and said, "I don't have an audience at all," then for us to say, "Hey, well, go sell your book on Amazon." That's kind of an uphill battle because she doesn't know anyone. She doesn't have any support yet to go leave her reviews, but she's already finished that step. And, and that's a lot of progress and she should be proud of that. Definitely. There are so many people listening to this and inside of fizzle who haven't made that amount of progress and they're at ground zero. And that's a, an even more frustrating place to be sometimes. Absolutely. So, and so, so go, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, so she, so she's at this, this magic place where yeah. a lot of stuff can happen. And it's really important that she focuses her time and energy on the right things. It's so easy for her to feel like, well, I spent 20 hours this week on my Facebook group helping people out. It's yeah. so easy to feel like that's work. And it is work. And it's great that you're helping people. That's a good word. But you have to be putting food on the table Preach at the it. end of the day. Amen. If this is a business. That's a good word. I mean, that really is. That is uh that is that is some some kick in the pants stuff because the truth is, yeah, it, it's like I always envy those people who have uh who are who are, who are less clever and and more uh I don't know, more follow throughy. Like there's a difference between intelligence and cleverness. You know what I mean? And I've got a lot of the latter and not a hell of a lot of the former. But th- it's that idea of like, okay, so what does it look like to hustle this thing? And to go, like I saw, I didn't even read the, the article, but James Clear's latest email on, um, you know, the the unmistakable importance the 1% of improving 1% yeah. every day, right? And like, so getting that one more sale every day, like the unmistakable sort of it, value of that when you look at it over time and as a whole. Um, so get like somehow you know, being inspired by that, Mary, in the sense of like, okay, so how can I sell one of these today? 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 Like right. that's a, that actually might be a perfect hack. Yeah. Like a good question for like, just, just to do that one little thing every or, day, you know, break it down. Like, okay, so we've been talking about this magic $5,000 a month level or whatever. Let's throw that out the window for a minute and just say, what's a, what's a level that Mary's going to feel like good about. She's going to be able to pay her, her mortgage with or something. Well, I think you're talking about her freedom number. <laughs> or not it. even her freedom number. Just uh, well, uh, what's it the feels first a lot like freedom to me. What's the first, you know, major milestone? She sold 20 copies and and put 100 bucks in her pocket. But what would she feel good about on a monthly basis? Let's say $1,000. I think it's So 1000. break that So so break that $1,000 down into how many sales do I need to make per month? And take the emotion out of it and take the long-term view out of it and just say I okay, I need to sell 10 copies today. 
or whatever it ends up yeah. being or six copies that sounds today. like a nightmare to me though like for me i mean i think some people would totally be motivated by that but, but for me the question is is how what can i do to sell one copy today that gets me thinking first of all in terms of like actually like something that's going to be selling something instead of just you know just answering a question in an email right um and I like that, but number two, it's just like the 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 reward is the is the work itself versus like I mean I feel like when I think about it, I got to make ten seven, ten of these today, I'm just scared. So I'm maybe, already scared. Maybe that that's I'm an fail. intermediate step. Then is you but know, no, if I'm just, she sells no, I'm saying one that for the next month, then she's beat her twenty that she's already sold, and so that's for this month. But eventually, you do have to kind of confront the reality of absolutely. Okay, we got to do this on a daily basis, and you just have to break it down into channels. Like, where are people yeah. finding this thing, and where are they buying it? And, and I which think there's ones this. Do I put there's this into? leverage that happens, right? When you get when you go from eight reviews to eighty reviews to eight hundred reviews of your book, there starts to be. A, a curve in your uptake, absolutely. Where th- where where you do a you, you put in an inch of work and you get you know a mile of results. It's just like it's a, it's a lot like SEO. Like people yeah. always said, if you're not like on the top of the front page of results, then you're getting nothing basically. Yeah. And it's the same, I would imagine, on Amazon. There are like five books up at the top in yeah. terms of reviews that are getting all the sales, and they may only have you know, 10 times as many reviews. Actually, they have less than, or I don't know, yeah. 10, 20 times as many reviews yep. as she has. And that might it's be not doable. A big gap. It's not that might 4, be doable reviews, with her yeah. 3,000 I love that people. as a baseline uh, kind of milestone to shoot for, is for her to shoot for enough sales that she can have 132 reviews. And so now she's the top reviewed coloring book in the crafts and hobbies section. And then, and again, that's just, but that's just a, a theory uh, that to experiment with that that will produce more sales is not necessarily known at this point as a, as a given. Well, we know, we know that that it'll it'll rank higher hopefully in, in Amazon and that will result in more sales. I think you're you're right. Like it's yeah. a, it's a real it's a it's it's a heavy it's a weighty kind of assumption. Um, however, there's other assumptions to be made. Like what if there what if you simply had more coloring books on the market than other people, or what if you simply like had ideas about what people actually want to color in, and they, and they're they're seeing your cover and they're like, wait, I don't want to do books. I don't want to color something like that. I'd rather do this one over here. It's full of this kind of stuff. It's all flowers, or that one's all. Uh, uh, church, uh, uh, you know, wall uh, or not wall, but window art, right? And that one's all. So, in some ways, there's a creativity that comes with like, what is the because you know, just like we all have to be creative about what content we make in our blog posts and podcasts. What am I going to talk about? We also the, the same thing with books. You know, what is selling? Maybe you do one of those, or maybe do something similar to that, but that feels more like you. Mm-hmm. That, there's there's some strategy there, and the idea of uh, there's another route where it's like what, instead of trying to get more sales of this book, you try to get more books out there. But I do think that when we produce something like this, it's a it's a real amazing accomplishment, and it, and this book deserves deserves a lot of activity to get like for a certain amount of days or weeks or months to to get to just like go like every day like how, how can I what forum can I go be involved in today to maybe sell one copy of this book? But, what uh, online community, et cetera? What were you going to say, Steph? Yeah, well, what I was going to say there too is I think one huge thing, and Chase, you kind of touched on this a couple minutes ago, but you know, just myself coming from a sales background, I am picking up a lot of important mindset 
things that Mary's facing specific to sales that I think she's going to have yeah. to address. And this, I mean, I think we all feel this way. It's so easy to get in your own head when you're selling. She even mentions in her original thread that she used to joke that she has a quote negative sales aura. And if you've ever sold anything, which all of us have, we sell things every day, just in everyday life. We know what that feels like. It starts to become yeah. about us. And I think if she's going to go out there and be looking for different channels and, you know, going on the NBC segment like she did, she's got to stay focused on the problem that she's solving for people and not, not even necessarily a problem as much as she's got a great product that people are really engaged in. And it's not about her and it's not about her having to sell as much as it's about the end user just loving having this coloring book and treasuring it. So I think yeah. for her to stay really anchored on that feeling that she gets when somebody really enjoys her product, that might be the thing that helps her get up every day and find those channels. That's such a big deal. It really is. I mean, I, I, I feel that, that same thing all the time, even just with Fizzle, where it's like, I don't know how to promote this. I don't really want to talk yeah, about it. We have you know? a couple episodes where we talked all about sales mindset. Yeah, sales without sales slam seas. Yeah. <laughs> sales <laughs> sand sleeves. And I think, I think the key point there, Steph, was uh, believing in your product enough to know it's worth selling. And so I think for every business person out there, entrepreneur listening, they have to look at their product once it's created and say, do I believe this is worth selling? And if you've created a product, especially your first product, and you don't believe it's worth selling, that's okay because you had to go through that process to understand what it takes to put something out there. And maybe now it's time to go back and create a second product and say, okay, now I'm going to create the one, the product that I want to create, knowing all the things I know since I created that first one that I didn't like. And you want. <laughs> I'm sorry. You want to talk about putting something out there. The title of that podcast, all about sales and like how to think about it and how to do it better, is called Sales Sans Sleaze. Sell more goodly. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, I can't Lord. believe you people put up with me. <laughs> so I'm so grateful that you do. <laughs> the point about products, though, is that everyone starts with a product they don't like. If you show me a successful online entrepreneur, I will show you someone who is embarrassed by the first product they put out. Yeah. You hear people like Ramit or Marie Forleo or Steve Cam. Everyone has some kind of story about the first product they put out. And their current products look nothing like that first one. And I think that's really important to realize is that maybe the first product is not a reason to get discouraged. It's something to celebrate. And then it's time to move on and apply what you learn to the next one. In some ways, it's the making me think of this long haul uh, vision. You know, Brad Feld, one of my favorite quotes is the hardest thing for young entrepreneurs to do is to have a long term vision, you know, and we're all kind of young, you know, anything, anybody south of 70 is pretty young still. Um, and, and so this idea of, of, uh, you know, we've always said on the show, and I feel like this is a really big deal, that that the expectations are actually the most dangerous thing in doing a business because that's what's going to make you burn out. When you expect a certain result from doing your uh, a book, like, for example, uh, and and you don't get it, oftentimes you did not even know that you had that expectation. You did. You found out about it when you were super disappointed, but you're not thinking about it that way. You think about it like this. I'm a failure. I'm not worth anything. This could never work. 
right? Instead of going, oh, I see what happened. I expected more from this than is realistic. And a good friend can come in and go like, oh, you silly, that that can't work like that. You have to totally put in the work over time for that to, to count for X, Y, and Z. The first months of my book, I sold three copies. So you're already doing better than me. Imagine if someone who was a successful coloring book artist uh, said that to Mary right now, right? That would feel so much better. Now, all of a sudden, we have a model and we have expectations that can be more realistic. Um, and that, to me, is, is the is like sort of the big thing here, the big sort of, I don't know, scary sort of thing here. So, uh, because, because these are the expectations that are going to make us give up and they're going to make us burn out. And these are the gremlins. These are the real demons. The real demon is not not knowing what to do. The real demon is that hidden thing inside of you that, that, that wants and expects this kind of thing. And then when it's let down, man, it just starts trashing the place and it turns you into a, this, this whole season of depression. I've been there. I know what it's like. Okay, so in the last few minutes here, I want to get a little bit tactical, and I'm not going to say Mary's URL. We're checking in with Mary to see if she's cool with us sharing our website, and if she is, we'll share it in the show notes. But in lieu of that, I'm going to take a look at her website and just mention a couple things and try and describe them, because I know everyone's not going to be sitting there looking at it. Describe what's going on there and what changes she might make to grow her audience and continue to move in the right direction. So when I pull up the homepage, there's a little hello bar at the top. And if you don't know what a hello bar is, it's the little strip at the top that asks for an email address. Then as you go down the homepage, you see a variety of posts. And about every other post is a review of someone else's adult coloring book. That's interesting to me, and I'll come back to it in a second. We also see that the majority of posts have zero comments on them, which is not surprising to me because what Mary's already told us is that the majority of her community interacts on her Facebook group. So that's another interesting point. The third thing is that she's got a sidebar here. And in that sidebar, she's got all her different social media links, links to recent posts, links to categories, and links to her archives. So I want to hit on that too. So the first thing is, I question whether uh, coloring book reviews are the right move. And here's why I say that. Uh, in the forums post, Mary mentioned that she's it's not very easy to earn a ton of affiliate income from selling other people's books simply because the price point isn't high enough to get a big cut from Amazon. So what that makes me question is on your site where people are coming who want to color and they want to learn from you and they want your perspective, you're essentially selling 25 coloring books, but only one of them is yours. And I think that could be significantly impacting your sales. Now, the trade-off of not doing reviews is that you're not going to get the same amount of search traffic, potentially, from other posts as you might for people searching for that name of that coloring book. So there might be a trade-off there, and I'll acknowledge that. The second thing is I think seeing the majority of posts with zero comments is probably discouraging people from participating because it's scary to be the first person to jump in. What I might suggest is maybe you turn the comments off and instead, you direct people at the end of each post to go chat over in your Facebook group because now you're sending more people to where the majority of your community is already going. And I think that might be a good move for you just based on what you've told us. And then the third thing is hitting on that sidebar. You're basically giving people 20 links to click right now on your sidebar. And that worries me because it shows that if you're not clear about what exactly you want them to do uh, as far as what to do after reading a post, then they're not going to be clear on it. And what's more concerning for me is that there's not an email opt-in box in your sidebar, nor is there one at the bottom of your blog post, which means 
Uh, in moments when people are most likely to subscribe, they're not ending up in an opt-in box, even though the hello, hello bar is up there. So I might suggest adding some forms to optimize your conversions there too. Yeah, a couple ideas uh, I had immediately, uh, which all of this is, is and more is covered in the the design course for people who aren't designers within Fizzle that I made. Um, definitely recommend that for you, Mary, uh, if you haven't already. Um, but uh, as Barrett, you just said, it's this idea of like, what do you want them to do uh, that I don't catch on this, right? I don't know what you want me to do. Um, whereas if that hello bar at the top said, sign up now and I'll send you five and, and you'll and immediately download five free coloring sheets to print out at, at home. Right. And each one of those coloring sheets says, this is a page from this book. Go to this short link to, to check it out. Don't get more pages just like it. Right. Then the sidebar is that same thing with that same call to action with another call to action. That's just like, Hey, if you like, uh, if you like what Mary's doing here, you'd love her book. Click here to to buy it on Amazon or to buy it yep. wherever, wherever, right? Where it's just those two things. Maybe followed behind, uh, underneath that, with like the categories: artist interviews, generals interviews, uh, colorist landscape tutorials, things like that. I would probably try to focus. Uh, it, for me, long term, I think tutorials are going to have a lot more. When you're writing content about how to do color blending with these uh, color pens or or, or pencils or, or whatever, right? How to do this kind of technique, how to do that kind of technique. Those are the kinds of, of teaching thing that would may not result in a lot of search traffic right now, but could potentially result a lot over time. And especially when you're doing that, you find out how to do maybe some of those videos where you're just, where you don't even have to be on camera. It's just your hand and the paper and you're just talking over it. That can be really instructive and you're showing that in those posts. There's a lot of ideas for stuff like that. And, and, uh, I don't want to overwhelm you at all. I'm sure we already are, Mary. Um, and really the big takeaway for me is there's there's totally room for improvement um we let's let's get back on on track in terms of 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 what the next step is and kind of resetting our expectations and and cuz this is a definitely a big sort of like brick wall come to jesus sort of moment and i've been there so many times and it's painful and it hurts and it sucks to wake up and go i am nowhere near as far along as i thought i was so i i 100% am with you on that but there is some some quick these these changes we're talking about doing on on the home uh, on on the uh, website these aren't going to like double your sales overnight but there are going to be those little incremental changes where if you increase your like when we redesigned think traffic and upped our conversion by whatever 50% or 150% or 900 I can't remember what it was but I don't really I don't really care but that makes a pretty big deal uh, in the bottom line at the end of every month now because then what you did last month is getting doubled by what you're doing this month and then guess what's going to happen next month that's going to double again and again i'm not good at reading or math but that sounds like it's a lot of, more it's a lot of nine it's a lot of nines in there and i'm a big guy about the nines <laughs> oh, um uh, steph anything in closing here um the only i mean i totally agree with the website advice that you guys gave the only other thing i would say about her website is um she does have that uh, NBC segment. If you navigate, she has an in the news link in her nav bar. I think that's really cool. I think it's amazing that NBC totally. did a segment about adults thinking outside the box and using coloring as a stress reducer. I would love to see that front and center, you know, as featured on NBC or something like that, because it's a big deal. And it's the reason that she's gotten a lot of traffic. So you're bang on. That's actually a really big point and something that both Barrett and I completely missed. Yep. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> that is what you're, you're no pretty soon i'm just gonna stop Boom. talking altogether. steph bomb 
<laughs> I don't know. We got to work on that. It's like a Crowder chowder. I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Oh, God. Barrett, closing, closing words? Uh, closing thoughts for me are, number one, I think Mary could be on a good path. <laughs> you always got to number this shit. I know. Yeah. Number one, <laughs> I think words, closing, not closing paragraphs. <laughs> closing thoughts for me. Okay. Section one. Closing essay. <laughs> <laughs> Number one is I think you're on a great path and you need to keep going, Mary. Um, number two is even it even if it becomes a project and a portfolio of projects, I think you're going to learn so much from continuing to build this thing. So don't give up. And number three is I would love to hear from listeners out there. You know, we focused on a business today, but what I'm hoping Let alone is that a people could extrapolate that would necessitate a gun rack. Sorry. <laughs> I'm hoping people could extrapolate lessons for their own businesses. And so if you like this format, this kind of tear down cons- consultative type viewpoint on a business, let us know. And maybe we'll do more of these episodes in the future. <laughs> if we just totally demoralized you, Mary, let us know that as well. Yeah. we'll stop doing these. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I got nothing. Corbett? I got nothing. That's, um, I think uh, we gave her at least 18 months worth of, crap to think yeah about. so turn off your email <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't leave the house yeah and just do just do the stuff but but i i mean i really have to say actually you know to me this is all this is so awesome I, it feels terrible right now because to you it looks like maybe oh no my my i thought this would do better than it than it did and now it's not but to me it's like look at look at you go you're making you've built an audience around a thing you're at the tail you're at like right at the front of of what seems like it could potentially become a, an actual trend for people you clearly love doing this you like doing it and you're clearly very good at it so it the fact that you're good at this and you can build an audience is really, really big deal. A lot of people can do one or the other of those things. Mm-hmm. They can be good at something or they can build an audience and they can't be good at things besides be building an audience, right? So the fact that you can do both uh, is great. And and I would just, I don't know, just just keep going back into yourself and going like, what do I wish I would have had when I got started? What do I really, really wish that would have come? Across, a, a, apart from all of the best advice and all of the guru stuff and all of the things that everybody's talking, what do I really wish that I would have had when I got started? Was it like a 13-day email thing? Was it like, you know, a page a day sort of for 50 days for five bucks? Was it was it uh, like a, a whole library of training? Was, was, was it a course that I would have to pay for? Was it free videos that, that then they all have advanced techniques and a, and a thing I could pay? Like, what was it? that you, what, what do you really wish you would have found when you, when you were getting started? Um, that to me is, some, is just a constant source of like, I don't know, going back to really remember what it is that I can do differently than everybody else in this market. So anyways, I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. I've been Barrett Brooks. Oh, no! (laughs) I didn't even coach him. Teamwork! I've been Steph Crowder. I've been Barrett Brooks. (laughs) And I have been... (laughs) I want to do a good strong back because you said, Teamwork! (laughs) (laughs) Home's all right There was a pause! There was a a heavy pause. (laughs) Whoa! Whoa, you got pause blocks. You got a heavy pause. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, Thank you so much, Mary, for letting us share your story. Your candor and courage are inspiring. We're rooting for you. If you want us to answer your question live on the air, add your voice in the Fizzle forums. 
You can sign up for free at fizzle.co or you can head to fizzleshow.co slash ask and record your own question. For show notes and links on this episode, go to fizzleshow.co slash 113. Uh, that's where you're going to find any conversation going on about this. Uh, and I have a question. Have you been where Mary is? I would love to hear how you handled it. That's fizzleshow.co slash 113. Drew from Australia writes in iTunes saying, The mix of fun, frivolity, and for the lack of thinking of another F word, business talk, gets me ready to face the working week. Haven't got enough time to listen to these guys? Try the shower while gardening or cooking dinner. I believe they make food taste that much better. (laughs) Thanks, Drew from Australia. You know our goal here is to help you make progress on your business. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. You've got a business. You've got an idea. I really mean this. Like, you've got something. You can make progress on it every single week. That's our goal. And if if this podcast is helping you, please uh, fire up iTunes. Search uh, the the store for Fizzle. Click our faces and and click write a review. I would love to hear what you think of the show. I love to see another review come in. We see we read every single one that comes in, even internationally. Pay for a service just to be able to do that. Um, So I'd love to hear your voice there. Maybe even read it out here on the air. So go to iTunes and leave us a review if you could. If you're in Fizzle, go check out the forum thread where Mary shares her story. I think the, the, the number of responses, the, the quality of those responses really struck me. Uh, here's someone sharing sort of bravely, admitting that she's not sure what to do next. And the community just wrapped its arms around her. And I, I, I was a part of making that in, in the first place. I, I can't believe that. that. That is really striking to me when I was reading the comments on this thread. So if you haven't yet, check out Fizzle. We just uh, removed the $1 trial. So now you can get in absolutely free to check out uh, this amazing community and training library that, uh, that all of us on this show today were, were a part of building. All right. Find care. Take care. Serve hard and dig in. Thanks. And I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.